Uh, I've heard about this uh, gathering, and I am indeed honored to come and uh, be here. When the invitation came, I said to our uh, team, I've got to be uh, gone to Birmingham. That'll be a great night because I'll be encouraged. A few years ago, some of our staff team came to this event, uh, our missions team, and uh, came and enjoyed uh, what goes on here. And so uh, thank you for letting me come. Man, I like that introduction. I won't be a missionary tonight. Amen. That just, uh, hallelujah, that's a good word. And indeed, I am. Are you? These vocationally, everybody in this room, if you're taking it serious, you're on mission. Every believer on mission. So I want to challenge you with that just a little bit uh, tonight, but before we go to Luke 4, I want to thank you. I'm delighted to come back and be at Shades. I was a Samford student, graduated in 1977, and uh, used to slip over here in the old building here, Dr. Carter, on Wednesday night. I was pastoring a little country church out north of uh, Trustville, around Springville, Alabama, in Springville and Odenville, and I was pastor there. But on Wednesday night, I'd come over here and listen to the master expositor, and he'd open the Word of God. I've still got a sermon on Lazarus. I stole from him. I preach it everywhere I go. I got it on a Wednesday night here at Shades. What I want to share with you about that is all of these students that are around you, church, your mission begins right here in the neighborhood and reaches to the nation. You never know when some kid who was in the half of the class that made the top half possible (laughs) is going to come back and speak at your missions conference, all right? You're looking at him right here. I mean, I got out by the skin of my teeth over on Lake Shore, but I did get out. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. I made it and uh, got, got out of there, and uh, the Lord's carried us on to Texas and then back here and to be in this place. I've got a lot of friends that are in this room tonight, and I would uh, just take too long to call your name, but I've met many of you, and thank you, uh, Pastor, for the invitation to come and be right here in this place. Let's find our place in Luke 4, and we begin reading in verse 14. Jesus is just beginning his ministry. He is coming out of wilderness temptation. He has been led in by the Spirit. He is brought out by the Spirit. And then in Luke 4, beginning in verse 14, the Bible says, And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Don't miss that. He went into temptation led by the Spirit. He came out led by the Spirit. Now he's returning to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And the news about him spread through all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. The book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written out of Isaiah 61 and verse 1, as we would know it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim proclaim release to the captive. And recovery of sight to the blind. To set free those who are oppressed. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. And he has anointed me. Krishma 
is our word there. Krishma. It means to rub or to smear. They would anoint a prophet, a priest, a king as they readied for ministry and for their function. You, as a believer in Christ, are a prophet. You are a priest. You are a king. And 1 John 2.20 and 1 John 2.27 says, You have a krishma, an anointing. The King James says, You have an unction within you. The Holy Spirit of Almighty God. In Acts 13, out of your thematic verse for this conference, when they set apart, Barnabas and Saul, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul. They said, put them here. The Spirit said, put them to this place so they can go and do that that I have them to do. We will do mission when we are filled with the Spirit of the living God. When we come to have unction, anointing, Now in our church we have people that are sick from time to time and they'll call on me and they say, Pastor, do you believe the Scripture says somebody's sick? You anoint them with oil and you pray and you confess and you believe. I said, I do. I have an older gentleman in our church. The first time we went to anoint someone, I took a little vial of oil and anointed the man's head. He took that. He said, Pastor, it takes more than that. He said, if you don't put enough oil on your head to fry a chicken, we're never going to get anywhere. Mm. Well, you know, the oil is not magic. But in some ways, if we're not careful, we don't want the fullness. Just a little. Don't make me too uncomfortable. I, I want to challenge you tonight about the fullness of the Spirit of God. And when that anointing, when that unction is yours and you're filled, pluruo, from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, as he tells us to be in Ephesians 5.18, be ye filled, the plethora of God all over us, two things happen. And I want to show you those two items tonight that deal with mission. In the life of Jesus, he was anointed for two things. Number one, there was the anointing for good news. And secondly, we will see there is the anointing for good works. Look at it right here in verse number 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So I want to ask you tonight. You cheer, you shout, you hoot. Two months are almost gone. In 2014, dear friend, have you this year yet set with an open New Testament, a gospel track, a personal testimony? Have you shared the gospel this year? It's not enough to cheer if you're not sharing. He has anointed me to preach the gospel. Well, that preaching is not always behind a lectern. One of my favorite things to do to preach the gospel is to ride an airplane. Captive audience, you're sitting there. I was uh, flying to Dallas just a few days ago, and a gentleman was seated across from me. I was reading a book on 2 Corinthians. He leaned over and said, interesting book. I said, well, 
It is. I began to share a little bit with him. I said, what do you do? And he began to tell me what he did in Monroeville, Alabama. Then the question came. It always comes. What do you do? My answer is always the same. I am a gospel preacher. Oh. Amen. Now, if you are a gospel preacher, that means two things have to happen. You must believe the gospel, but then you must also preach the gospel. You can be a preacher without a gospel. Or you can say you believe the gospel, but you're not a proclaimer. Jesus said, I was anointed to preach the gospel. The gospel is the grace of God, according to Acts chapter 20 and verse 14. Jesus, the gospel is Jesus, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 4. It is the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. The gospel is to be preached, according to Mark chapter 1 and verse 14. One of my favorite verses in the New Testament, the Bible says, Jesus came preaching. Amen. Jesus came preaching. The gospel is grace. It is Christ. It is to be preached. The gospel is to be believed according to Acts 15 and verse number 7. Hear and believe. And the gospel is the power of God under salvation according to Romans 1 and verse 16. You see, the gospel changes anybody. Michael, thank you for doing that song a while ago. The God of angel armies. I stood right here where my executive pastor sits. Tears rolled down my face. Two Sundays ago, Joshua sang that song in our church. Joshua was a man who's hooked on drugs, became an alcoholic, went to jail for 11 months, got out and came to Waterfront Rescue Mission Pensacola. Got rearrested because of old uh, records, went back to jail. Then he joined our church. He's one month, the end of March, he's one month from graduation now after coming through all of that. And he stood on our platform last week and he sang the God of Angel Armies. And he said, God has set me free. And he's about to go to the Baptist College of Florida where he's going to be a minister of music. That's what he wants to do. Plays a guitar. Begin. You look at that old boy and you'd think, what could change? The gospel is what changed him. I'm telling you, friend, the gospel can save and change anybody. Now, you know, I used to believe that and talk about it a little bit. But, you know, I, the more you get in this, I mean, we really do. We need the gospel, the power of God to change people. And he can do it. Boy, we had a friend in our church, Adia Shari, came the first time. He sat way up in the balcony. I had some New Yorkers here. We're planning a church in New York as well, upper, upper Manhattan. And well, I want to meet these folks from New York after uh, service. And old Eddie, he, he came, Eddie Ashari, and he was such a blessing to me. He, he had spent seven years in Rikers Island, some time in Sing Sing. He jumped out of a third story window, got shot up by the New York police, and beat half to death. And there was a lawsuit, and he got out, moved to Pensacola. And 
One Sunday morning, Brother Danny, he, he walked down the aisle. He was a Catholic altar boy. Walked down the aisle. He had been a drug runner and a card shark for the Gotti family in New York. And he came forward and he took me by the hand. He said, Preacher, I've come this morning. I said, why have you come? He said, I've come to try this Jesus you're talking about. We baptized. I'm telling you, he's a big boy. I didn't have a baptismal robe large enough to fit him. We, we put him in his pajamas and baptized him. That, that's a true story. We, we baptized Eddie Ashari. I, I told him he'd get a job. He couldn't get a job because he had a rap sheet this long. And uh, just couldn't get a job anywhere. And finally, I, I made a pastoral decision, which was an error, but I hired him to be a janitor in our church. He's the worst janitor we've ever had in the life of our church. Absolutely awful. He couldn't clean anything from winning people to Christ as they walked into church. And I said to myself, we got this kid in the wrong seat on the bus. And so we put him in charge of jail ministry and evangelism. And so he started going into all these prisons and one of your prisons, one of the worst prisons that you've got in Alabama, down in Atmore in South Alabama, right across the line from where I am in Pensacola. And we'd go over there. He'd take me with him sometimes. And I'd preach and they wouldn't listen to me, not a lick. Boy, when Eddie Ashari stood up and he said, I know you guys, you think you're tough. You're going to go back to your cell and you're going to cry yourself to sleep. I've cried where you've cried. I've wept where you wept. Let me tell you the only thing that will dry your eyes is the blood of the Lord Jesus. Son, he'd preach the gospel and them old boys would cry and shout and get saved. And I'm sitting there saying, I'm the guy with the degree from seminary. (laughs) What is going on here? You see, I had a degree, but I'm telling you what he had. He had an unction. He had an anointing. He had a krishma. That was all over him from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. When I buried him because he, he, friend, you can sin. God will forgive you, but I'm telling you, those old drugs wore him out. I buried him just a few years ago, and I sometimes drive out to the north side of town and stand at his grave, and I weep for my brother to come back and help me. He's not coming back. But when he was buried, they lined up to kiss him. Drug addict after drug addict after drug addict after drug addict had been saved in our church through our most excellent way program walked by and they kissed him and they kissed him. There's only one reason for that. It is called the power of the gospel. Never forget the gospel. It's the good news and it's what we are to do. So I want you to see tonight we are anointed for good news. But now secondly, I want you to see not only are we anointed for good news, we're anointed for good works. Now don't miss it right here in this text. And I'm going to bring these two things together and bring us to our conviction time tonight. Look at this. He, he had the anointing to preach the gospel to the poor, but he also came for the captive, the blind, the oppressed, the bankrupt, the bound, the blind, the broken. He came for good works. There are people hurting all around us in Birmingham, in Pensacola, in New York, in Montreal, where we are planting as well, in Kazakhstan, where we work, in China, where we work, in all of these nations where where we see them in every state. There are people that need good news, but they need good works, good news and good works. Now, Now, Pastor... I'm a Southwestern grad, all right? I went to Southwestern and finished and uh, did all of my work out there and got all those degrees. But, but they taught me something. They said to me, be very careful about the social gospel. Watch it. Watch it. 
So I stayed away from that. Anything didn't have the gospel front and center, I just stayed away. And feeding the poor, I wasn't big in that. Taking care, I wasn't big in that. And I just kind of, and then I, I'd read this text, and I said, well, we might ought to do that, but I want to make sure we wed these things. Two things happened in this preacher's life. Number one, God sent a little woman. Her name is Jean Ray. She's about this tall. Just a little bitty lady. She's a social worker in our area. Miss Jean came to my office every six months for three years. She'd make an appointment twice a year, and she sat down. And she said, Pastor, we need to have social ministry. I said, yes, ma'am, I'll pray about it. I was lying like a dog. I wasn't going to pray about it. Just anything get her out. She'd come back six months, Pastor. We, uh, I know Miss Jean. We ought to think about that. Maybe, you know, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll talk to the deacons. I wasn't going to talk to the deacons. I just wasn't going to do it. Third year, she came in. She put her little finger. She had a withered arm, one withered foot. She said, Pastor, have you ever read Matthew 25? I said, yes, ma'am. I've, I've read the whole Bible many times. I just poured the spirituality to her. <laughs> she says, you, have you read that part about, you know, you, the least of these? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, well, you don't act like you've ever read that. She says, as a matter of fact, when you get to heaven, and then she said, if you get to heaven, <laughs> I'm not lying. She said, if you get to heaven, God is going to look you in the face and you are going to give an account for all this church that God's made you the shepherd of. He's going to say, did you do the best you could for the least of these? And I asked her to leave my office. She moved to Georgia. She left, but God wouldn't leave. God sent a storm. It's called Ivan. Everybody knows about the, tour, the hurricane that came to Katrina in New Orleans, but we had one called Ivan. came right up Palafox, Main Street. I went on the back port, the, the back parking lot of our church the morning after there were 2018 wheel trucks they came there every NAM disaster that's with an N N-A-M-B NAM disaster Oklahoma was first they're always first Oklahoma knows where a storm is they run right up to the edge and says blow us over if you can then we're coming in that's the way they do it every year they were there everybody was there they were lined up I was out there looking around. I said, man, this is phenomenal. There's people sharing the gospel. There's stuff going on. It was like social ministry. There was an old man in line. I tried to win him to Christ. He lived two blocks from our church. And I, looked. I said, what are you doing here? He had a plate. He said, I've come to eat. I said, this is, you know, this is a church deal. And you hate the church. So why are you in line? And he said these words to me. Preacher, when you're hungry... Organized religion looks pretty good. I said, go ahead. And I walked back toward my office, Brother Danny. And I'm telling you, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God slayed me. He said, preacher, you don't have to have a storm to do this kind of ministry all the time. 
So I took it to our leadership and we started. We didn't know what we were doing. We, we didn't have a clue what we were doing. All I knew is that God had given me good news and he was now saying, you got to take good news. You got the gospel, but it takes groceries. You, you got to put those two things together. This plow's got two handles on it. Good news, good works, good news, good works, good news, good works. So we started with one house. We cleaned up a house and they court ordered seven girls to us. We did our study. It wasn't a lot for ladies. And so we put seven ladies in this house called the Caris House, the Grace House. We didn't know what we were doing. We flunked out the first time. Didn't do real well. But, but the second year, we learned some things. And so we made the program for a year and a half. And we paid the freight and put them in. And we got a second house. And we moved them into that house. And then all of a sudden, we had to feed and clothe the hungry. And then we've got this drug addiction deal. All of a sudden, I look up and, and I said, don't, don't, don't call Southwestern. We, we got social stuff going on. Here's the, here's the tension always. I, went, I met with our board last night. We've spun off this new ministry called the Ministry Village at Olive. Brand new health and care clinic that's there and all this stuff. They took 9,382 calls last year. Volunteers and people coming. And I began to press how many times was the gospel shared. And I didn't like the number I heard. You see, a church will drift toward that social ministry and it'll give up the gospel if you're not careful. We watch denominations do it. They, they've gone all the way. Or they just good news. No, just good works, good works, good works, good works. Don't worry about it. Friend, you've got to. We must, we must wed. We must wed. Good news, good works, good news, good works. And that happens in Birmingham. That happens in Guatemala. That works in Sochi, Russia. Anywhere you go, but I'm telling you, if you go and just do good stuff and good stuff and good stuff without good news and good news and good news, you got a hollow mess. But oh, when you wed these things together, you do it Jesus' way. He wasn't just a preacher, he was a healer. He was a preacher and a healer. Sometimes healing, sometimes preaching, but always preaching and healing, bringing those two things together. He's preaching and healing. He's preaching and healing. He's preaching and healing. And we must bring those things together in the life of our church. How do we do that? Only one thing will get it done. The anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. So we start that house. And you know, pastors, sometimes we preachers, we'll just kind of get out there on the edge, you know, a little bit. And You know, I, I was... One Sunday, I said, I look forward to the day when this and this. And, this. and then I use this word. The children are gone, aren't they? Yeah. I said, I look forward to the day when prostitutes are getting saved at Olive Baptist Church. You know, just throwing something out there. <laughs> I finished the sermon that day, and I'm standing down here at the front. Jackie Johnson walks by. She's got on a hat this big. She's in our carriage house. And she walks by. And she reins up and she kissed me right here on the cheek. She hugged me. She, and she took two steps away and she turned around. And she said, Pastor, you can quit praying that horror prayer. God's already answered that. <laughs> Man. I looked her up next. I said, Jackie, what you talking about? She said, Pastor, three blocks from Olive Baptist Church, three blocks before I went to jail. I bought my crack cocaine three blocks from the back door of your church. I went a half a block behind and took money. Sold myself 
in that house to get money to come to the crack house to get my drugs. She said, I've been selling my body all these years. We put her in that recovery program. Jackie fell off the wagon. Just a few weeks ago, she came home. I love her like a sister. I'm from Pisgah, Alabama. That's up on Sand Mountain. They're not a black man within 40 miles. All right? That's just where I'm from. Jackie's a sweet African-American lady. I, I love her. She came down the aisle just a few weeks ago, and after church, she, she said, Pastor, I've come to repent. I'm sorry. I did wrong. Y'all been good to me. What do we do? Well, kick her out. Don't, no. It's good news. Good works. It's getting nasty. It, it's not easy. That's why these missionaries need to be cheered on so. It's hard out there. There are not any easy places left. If there were any easy places left, I'd resign and go to it. There's not any. But, but you take both hands and, and you say, well, it can't get, no. The only way to get it done is the unction. It's the anointing. And when the anointing comes, good news and good works and good news and good works and good news and good works, we wed those together and we plow the field that God's called us to plow. And I'm telling you, it works. It absolutely works. So we started in our place, just like you have. And man, what a phenomenal, a phenomenal conference that you had just 13, 14 years that you've been doing this now. Now, you hear about it all over America. Man, you get an invitation, go to Shades, you go because you'll get encouraged. It's a great conference. And, and man, what, what a marvelous thing. You, you've just started growing out. And you got to start somewhere. You didn't do this the first time. You had to start somewhere with good news and good works. And then you're growing and you're growing and you're going and you're going. Where's God going to take you next? I don't know. Your pastor probably doesn't know, but we're all listening to what God says. And the unction of God's going to show us. And we'll know where we need to be. Now the question is not just about local or church planting across America or international partners and you're doing that and we're doing that and thank God for it. But tonight is, I challenge you, I want you to think about the anointing. That's where we got to start. Every missionary needs it, every preacher needs it, every layman. I want you to think about the anointing. And let me share these three things with you tonight and then I want us to do business with the Lord. Anointing calls for one to be set apart, to be set apart for holy work. The three things are demanded if you're going to be set apart by the Spirit of God. Number one, to be set apart demands full release to Christ's control. You, you must give full release. In Hebrews 3 and 19, when the children of Israel were trying to get into the problem, they couldn't go because they had unbelief. That is, they were reserved. They, they back, I'm telling you, to, to you surrender all, you're not going to know anointing. Called a priest, 17 years old. Junior in high school, Pisgah, Alabama. Just a little town. Ronnie Hass is here tonight. He's from Pisgah. He knows what I'm talking about. God called me on a Thursday night. Rosalie Baptist Church. About 25 people in that church. I went forward. Next Sunday, I told my church, and they lined up and lied to me like a rug. I'm telling you. Oh, I'm going to be the next Billy Graham. Well, they hadn't even heard me pray a prayer yet. Here's what I did. I got, I got on my knees. 
in that back bedroom at my mom and daddy's house. And here's the prayer I prayed. Lord, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll give up anybody. I'll give up anything in order to be in the center of your will. I'll go anywhere, do anything, give up anybody, give up anything. Now, now before you think I'm spiritual, I've never been anywhere. <laughs> I've never done anything. I didn't have anybody. I didn't have anything. But I said, Lord, I'll, I'll give you me. Oh, but on December of last year, I turned 60. I kneeled down to pray this morning. Go anywhere? Different prayer now, buddy. I've been some places. You go anywhere? Do anything. You resign that church if I call you to? I give up anybody. Really? That new little one-year-old grandbaby, if I call her to the foreign field, will you turn her loose? I'm telling you, you surrender to the fullness of Christ's control. You'll never be set apart by the unction of God. It demands full release to Christ's control. Second thing it demands is a clear conscience. You've got to get clean before God. That clear conscience is in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 9, where, where he calls us to hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. I'm telling you, if you're holding sin within your heart, if you're living in godlessness today, I'm telling you, the unction just does not flow. But when you get clean, dear friend, if you've got sin residing, call out to God. He'll forgive you. He'll set you free and the unction of God will come. The fullness of God. And thirdly, it demands an active faith. An active faith. James 2.20 we know that faith without works, the King James says is dead. The New American Standard that I'm reading from tonight says that faith without works is useless. Useless. We're not useful without the unction. Oh, but when faith gets full, the unction, the unction comes. Now, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but, but I'm going to tell you, when I was 17, the reason I got in this business, I didn't get in this business to go to deacons meetings. I love deacons. I went last week. I didn't get in this business to go to finance committee. I didn't get in this business to go to youth camp. I'll bet a nickel to hold a donut. That guy that was bouncing on his stomach up here used to do youth work somewhere. I, 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 is that right? Yeah, it had to be true. I mean, I know. Amen. Thank God for you. I, I didn't get in this. I'm telling you, I got in this for one thing. God called me, I, I got in this for changed lives. That's why I got in this. To see God take somebody lost and change them. Her name's Shauna. She's a cleaning lady in our town. She came through our Karis house. The night I baptized Shauna, I, I'm, I'm not a big guy. I... I have the heart of a champion. It's just in the body of a wimp. I'm, I'm just, you know, not much to me. But, and so when I baptize people, like if I had to baptize Rick over here, you know, I'd, I'd have a hard time not getting him under. 
getting him up, you know, would, would be the deal. So I have a little stool that I let people sit on, and I, when I baptize out of that, and Shauna came in, and she sat down, and I looked down, and it's not uncommon. Today, we live in a tattoo society. She had a big starburst on her back of her neck here, you know. You see it all the time. But when I looked down at her, she had a teardrop right here coming out her left eye. Now, I'd heard things that sometimes that meant there'd been murder involved. And I reached back and I cut off my microphone and I said, Shauna, tell me about the tear. She said, Pastor, I ran the streets of New Orleans for several years and drugs and alcohol. And she said, I cried myself to sleep every night. She said, I finally got to the place I couldn't cry, so I went in a tat shop at 4 o'clock one morning, and I asked them to just place a tear on my cheek so I could always cry even when I didn't have any tears. That broke my heart. I said, well, how are you now? She said, oh, the grace of the Lord Jesus has dried my tears. He's given me joy unspeakable, full of glory. She'd been through that program. They have to memorize scripture and it's their discipleship program I said would you mind telling that and boy she gave her testimony that night glory to God what a meeting we had in the baptistry that night it was good news and good works and good news and good works it's good news and good works would you help me with that it's good news and good works it's good news and good works it's good news and Good works. Now, just put your hands up like this right here. It won't hurt you. All right? I'm not coming to get you money. All right? This is not the Pentecostal salute. The Bible says lift up holy hands, right? Good news. Good works. Good news. Good works. Good news. Good works, good news, good work. I'm telling you, friend, you'll never do both those things till you say, oh, Lord Jesus, flood me, flood me, flood me. And that faith becomes active. And then God assigns you. Maybe you're to go to missions. I don't know. Maybe you're to give. You're going to have opportunity to make a commitment about giving. Some of you young people, and there's no doubt God's calling people out of this church to be preachers and missionaries. And you ought to make that uh, Decision to say, I'll, I'll go. If God calls me, I'll, I'll go. Tonight, I, I want to lead you and help you for just a few minutes. You see, the unction comes as we receive from the Lord, but it helps when we pray for others. The Bible said in Acts 13, the Spirit of God said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. And they prayed for them and sent them out. I want you to get in circles of three. And in a moment when you get in a circle of three, I would like you just to pray around that circle. And I don't want you to pray for yourself. I'd like you just to lay your hands on the shoulders of the person next to you and pray for the anointing of God to be in their life. When they finish, you pray for the next and then around the circle. And when you finish, if you would just be dead silent, I would like the privilege of praying over you tonight, asking for the unction of God to come 
so that when you rise from here, you'll go with good news and good works and good news and good works. You won't just go with good news, good news, good news, good news, or good works, 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 works. You'll wed those things together by the power of God and we'll go out and we'll touch the world. There's 7.2 billion people in the world. And 6.8 billion of them live outside the United States. Oh, we should be going to the globe. We should be going to the world. We can no longer afford just to do it here, though we have a lost nation and a terrified church and a carnal church in many ways. We need revival to begin in us so that we can reach the nations, the nations, the nations with the gospel. Would you just circle up and pray one, two, three tonight for one another? And then if you'd be still, I'd like to just pray for you. That's it. Thank you, choir. Just kind of circle up. Amen. Oh, Father, I give you glory and honor. Thank you that you would save me, that you would fill me. God, I pray you'd make me to be usable. I thank you for this great church. What a mighty vision. What a marvelous work. I pray, God, your unction to be on this dear pastor and all of these leaders. And ask you, Father, to make them wise and discerning. Make them bold and brave. Help them go where they think they can't even go. I give you praise. I want to ask you just to stand, and the pastor's going to come in just a moment. I want to give you one last exercise. I do it every day. I did it tonight back here in the green room. Just to help you with what I've tried to talk about. He became my dear friend. Pastor to Great Bellevue Church in Memphis for all those years, Dr. Adrian Rogers. He's, he's dead. I know you still listen to him on the radio, but he's in heaven, all right? <laughs> when we got ready to build our building, it's just like this. We came here and looked at yours, and we got ready to build. I went up to Bellevue, and I asked Dr. Rogers, I said, how do you do this? He gave me a lot of things. And I asked him in the back, Pastor, I said, what do you do before you, pass, before you preach, Pastor? He said, oh, I do this every time, Ted. He said, I do three things. He said, I lift my hands and I praise the Lord Jesus. I give him glory and honor. He said, if we had a good offering, I'd do a little dance. <laughs> he said, then I move my hands right out here to the side and I say, I'm crucified to myself, dead to myself. He said, then I move my hands right here and I say, oh God, fill me. Give me your power, your unction in order to preach. I start my day like that most every day and I always do it before I preach. And I'd like to just leave that with you tonight, and I'd like you to practice with me as the pastor comes. Now, don't hit anybody when you get ready to put your arms out. <laughs> just lift your hands and say these words. Praise the, Lord. Praise the Lord. Just move your hands out to the side. Be very careful. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. My word there is I'm always dead to Ted, dead to Ted, dead to Ted. 
And then just move your hands here to receive and say, Lord, I receive your unction. Lord, I receive your unction. Thank you that you have filled me. Thank you that you have filled me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.